Hey there, Offgoers, Muse here, and this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast features a Patreon-requested album review. If there's an album you want reviewed on the podcast, pledge $40 to either patreon.com slash rapcritic or patreon.com slash muse. Did, did you have a quote, Muse, or...? I did not, actually. Alright, well, uh, every episode we start with, uh, we start with a quote of something. Usually a rap song, because, you know. So, I mean, if there's anything you've wanted to, you've wanted to just start a show with, you know, you could do that if you want, or I, or I could do mine. Do I have a rap quote right now to start the show with? Yeah. Um, let me think. A little to the left, a little uplifting. There we go. Half bar. That's a strong half bar, too. <laughs> if that was like a motivate list of top 12 motivational half bars, that's somewhere in the top six. A little to the left, a little uplifting. Yeah. Lupe Fiasco. I dig Always it. come through in the clutch. You were talking about Lupe Fiasco. Uh, one of his underrated albums was uh, Tetsuo and Youth. Yeah. And I would definitely agree with you on that. <laughs> that's, man, I, you know, it's... Uh, you know, you know the the industry is an amazing force if it's on your side, uh, mm-hmm. it's, and it's a it's a detrimental force if it's not. And you know, they had such a fractured, fucked up situation for so long that mm-hmm. it's amazing that Lupe even decided to put that project out because that project yeah. is really like an art piece. You know, like that project, Definitely. like the songs he put out leading up to that project weren't on that project <laughs> like it was like mm-hmm. next to it with Todd dollar sign old yeah, school yeah i remember with, that i was like you know? what the hell is this <laughs> <laughs> right it was like old school with ed sheeran you know it was just yeah. the the entire atlantic what, machine dude i remember when those came out and i was like wait really that's really gonna be the okay um and he made music videos for him so i was like mm-hmm. all right i guess these are this is what he's doing now i mean next to it like i get why he made it but it's like you know, that's not a song I'm going to listen to frequently. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then when he came out with the Tesla and Youth, I was like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's like, all right, fuck whatever, whatever, whatever other shit he was doing. <laughs> you know, and what's wild is like, you know, that project would have never, we would never heard Tesla and Youth as is if uh, Anonymous didn't threaten Atlantic. See, I hadn't heard about that specifically. They, um, they threatened Atlantic Records. They said, Atlantic Records, you have 24 hours to announce a, a release date for Lupe Fiasco's Tetsuo and Youth. Either that, and if not, we will have a full-scale attack on your organization and on each of your executives. How is it just that one in particular? Because there's albums that we've been talking about <laughs> waiting around forever for, and it's like, do people just not care? Do people just not care so much about those? You know, Lupe's been, a, he's, he's been counterculture for a long time. And not when I say counterculture, I mean, I guess he's been outspoken about his beliefs. He's a day one Occupy Wall Streeter. Mm. So the day Occupy Wall Street started, he was probably the first celebrity, period. But he was out there. Um, And he's also the only, uh, possibly the only rapper who spoke against Obama. Depends on how you feel about Kanye. It depends on how you feel about Ron Fest. A lot of, a lot of guys, a lot, all the, there's some cats from Chicago Who's pretty really? critical of Obama, but nobody went I, as I far all, as to protest. They're all from Chicago, so they probably know first, you know. 
<laughs> right, right. Uh, I had another piece I was working. I did a Kanye piece that looked at like Kanye and Obama, and it was really supposed to be Chicago and Obama. I mean, Obama and Chicago rappers. And there, there was kind of a divide, like in Chicago. Like, there's a lot of people who really supported, obviously, Obama for all these awesome reasons. But there were people who would go on record and be wild critical, and nobody yeah. was more critical than Lupe. And I thought that was, you know. Um, such a Lupe fiasco thing, like you know. Yeah, what's fa- yeah, what's fascinating about it is that it's like he went after the wrong president. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, okay, everyone's going after Trump right now, but it's like, of course, because he's this white guy who's obviously pandering to you know the white nationalist audience with his rhetoric. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and that's the easy thing to go after. But what's harder to go after is like, okay, who's this person? Yeah, we still see this person as, you know, uh, black and someone who's supposed to help us. But like, is he really? And is he just perpetuating, you know, the wars and all the stuff that's gone down before? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, it's going to be hard for one one person to be able to change all the things that, you know, American imperialism has done anyway. But still, it's like. God damn, we're already starting on this. <laughs> I just yeah. used the word American imperialism. We're already starting off on a pretty serious note right now. <laughs> Lupe's, you know, he took a position that everybody's still on the same team regardless of who you vote for, right? You know, American imperialism is bigger than any four-year, eight-year term. And so I think that's the principles where he came from. I think it's ironic in a most unfortunate sense, though, um, that the number of people that Obama, Obama pardoned, all the nonviolent drug offenders that he pardoned, and I think that's the irony, unfortunate irony of um, being as, you know, uh, vocal about what he felt the American presidency as not as much uh, Obama in this sense, but the American presidency, which is what I really feel like he was talking about when he was saying Obama's the biggest terrorist. He was talking about how right, the American right, presidency right, yeah. is. I get that. Yeah. I just think it's ironic that he did that to your point with Obama in office and Obama lets out like 1200 nonviolent drug offenders. Yeah, <laughs> like, like he pardons yeah. 1200. Like, I don't know if that's something you could have the foresight to see, but I also think mm-hmm. that there's probably the, this, if there's one president that might do something crazy, like let out a whole bunch of people who shouldn't be in jail or people who are in jail for drugs or let out more people in jail than ever. It's probably the first black guy. And so yeah. <laughs> look, a good point. looking at that in that context, like, mm. What did that mean for people that Lupe may know? You know, I think everybody has mm-hmm. family or friends who are in unfortunate situations. My uncle's been in jail pretty much my entire life, prison mm-hmm. rather than jail. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know how that could have played with people that he may know and love that are in that situation. And being that he is a prominent artist, someone who is getting compared to... Uh, uh, Tribe Called Quest and Golden Air bringing back lyricism. The guy who made a song about a project building turned into a robot and winning a Grammy. <laughs> Projects produced by Jay-Z and Kanye West and Pharrell are all the way on it. You never know how that, you know, being in a better situation with Obama could have affected people that, you know, Lupe really cares about that are close. Just given what Obama yeah. did on his way out. I mean, we saw yeah, yeah, George yeah. Bush pardon you know um john forte john forte's high school friends got him out of jail and he was walking through prison talking through the airport with a hundred million dollars of liquid cocaine or whatever it is you know like mm-hmm. that's the thing i think about when i think about what you said you know maybe this was the wrong president yeah you know? 
Uh, (laughs) And also, like, you know, hip-hop, like, hip-hop has been talking about the idea of being, like, a black president for years now. Like, just black culture in general. Mm. And hip-hop being a part of black culture is just, like, a thing that's sort of a part of it. So when you have someone who fills that role, it's harder to go against them. Because it's something that has been such a, such a, you know, uh, 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 such a, such a cornerstone of, of, you know, American black fantasy. You know what I mean? Of just the idea of like, wow, if so, if one of us was in power, but then going like, okay, even though one of us is in power, this guy's not really doing 100% what would be best for the black community. Or, or he's not focusing on it as much, I feel. Or, or you know, he's still, you know, um, um, still in charge of these wars that are still sending poor black and poor brown and poor white people, you know, to go fight. You know what I'm saying? You know. Like, he, like he's not the radical change that that would best benefit a black, uh, you know, the black community. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, I think about all the people that were affected by Martin Luther King or just seeing Martin Luther King, regardless of whether or not you might have felt, you know, um, <clears throat> like this struggle was necessarily yours. Just the idea that someone could mobilize a million people to march on Washington or that someone could, you know, organize a bus boycott that actually sparks some sort of real change in their community, regardless of whether or not, you know, you agree with Martin Luther King, you, you like the fact that he was cheating on his wife or however, whatever those rumors were or, mm. or whatever. Like we don't, I think the idea of Obama inspired a lot of really great ideas or inspired a lot of people to be able to push further in things that they want to achieve. You know, I, I think maybe our expectations might be misplaced if we think that one guy is going to change the world, world in exactly. four to eight years, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I don't, when people say, I don't know what Obama did for black people. Well, I probably, he let more black people out of jail than anybody. That's one thing. Uh, two, he definitely inspired people in ways that Michael Jordan, maybe, you know, is he mm. the closest one? Legit Jay-Z, Michael Jordan, Diddy? Like these are our icons, right? Biggie, Pac. Like these are, you have to go back to black and white TV to go find Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, Frederick Douglass, Nat Turner. You have to read books and all these things that we can't necessarily see or have a direct connection with. No, right. no, no disclaimer and no, I mean, no, no disrespect. Obviously, you know, you can't contextualize the impact that they've had on what on black life yeah. and black America and the progress we've had. But let's keep it real, man. Why tell somebody a story if you can show them? You know, our images are only as powerful as what we can see a lot of times, which is why it's better to put out a music video than just a song. You know, like you right, want to do right, both. Right. You know, and, I, and Obama's you know inspired more people to think past their limitations, whether those are psychological or, or literal. Then I'm willing to bet anybody else that's been alive since we've been alive. Was there much criticism of Clinton in the early '90s? Because I there was was actually. there yeah. okay two clips. I've recently seen from him. It's funny. He just, like, one after another puts his fucking foot in it. The one was a debate uh, when he was running for office the first time, and uh, he was asked about um, what his solution for inner-city crime was, and his answer was more police. Mm -hmm. And when he was uh, speaking on the uh, Million Man March on Washington, he praised the march and the marchers and all the organizers but still had to throw in there you know we still got to focus on uh, w- uh what's causing the inner city of uh, black on black crime and the very real threat that is um 
No, the the, uh, the very rational fear that white people have of those communities. Whoa, it did he like, say that? Yeah! Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, this sounds like something fucking Trump would say today. Mm-hmm. But it was like, and it, I remember, and I don't even know where this started, but I remember there was the in-joke that um, Clinton was the, quote, first black president. And yeah, I don't know where that yeah. started or what the point of that was. I think it's because he went, he went on, on Arsenio Hall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because he had a fucking dog pound behind him. That's all it takes. <laughs> that's basically it. Uh, you know, I think that's how oh, bad, okay. I think it's really how bad Reagan was that set that up. Yeah, you know? okay. definitely. Like Reagan was, you know, he was given the real Rick Ross crack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like Reagan was so bad. <laughs> right. Um, I think, uh, but yeah, you have like Pac, Bill Clinton, Mr. Bob Dole. You're too old to understand the way the game so There's uh, a lot of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, um, and I, I, that's the same thing. Like, I'm thinking, like, you know, think about how far we've come. Like, even the fact that you would even go hang out with black people was a made you see what make black people feel like you're the first black president because you can play the saxophone you're the first black president <laughs> yeah. You know? it's like, yeah that's like a clue in to just how bad it was it's like <laughs> right. someone is throwing us a bone fucking finally jazz look yeah. at that saxophones he's remember black. that remember that thing that used to be controversial but now is it yeah I'm, I'm, I'm participating in that right you know I think that and but look, looking back like you have this guy who's a Democrat in the South, which is odd on its own. He's from Arkansas. You know, yeah. like, all those states make money off free labor. And they had so much money that was going into the private prison system post-Reagan as well. Something, I mean, Bush won one one of the, the campaigns that people really remember about the first Bush's uh, run was the Willie Horton campaign, which he used against uh-huh. whoever the, yep. uh, the the black the white dude was, the Democrat. They said he was soft on crime. And so, you know, that's right. one thing you couldn't afford to be in the 90s because they were making too much money off of uh, putting people in jail and uh, making them work for free, which we yeah. still do. And, and part of that was, uh, you know, pushing back against gangster rap and saying, look at these criminals promoting this lifestyle. You know, it's really funny that, that you happen to mention that. There is a uh, there's a radio disc jockey down here. He's been on for decades. And he had said back when, uh, during the primaries last year, uh, he had Hillary on. And during the interview, he mentioned, uh, hey, you know, I had your husband on when he was running for office the first time. And I asked him what his favorite rap group was, and he said N.W.A. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. At least Hillary was had the foresight to be like, uh, I like Hamilton. <laughs> um, like, you you can't argue that. Like, okay, yeah, I can see her liking Hamilton, but, but she wasn't like, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm like, J. Cole's cool, but yeah, what are you I don't know. In like, the I think Kendrick's Hillary a little Clinton. overrated. Like, they'd be like, whoa, Hillary, what the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> Hamilton was breaking down science. A lot of people ask me stupid fucking questions. A lot of people think that what I say on the show or what I talk about, you know, in my episodes, that I actually, you know, think it in real life or believe in it. Or if I say that, you know, somebody's whack as shit, that I'm actually, you know, that I actually believe in it. Well, shit, if you believe that, then I'll kill you. You want to know why? 
because I'm on the Going Off podcast with Rap Critic News, and we got a special guest today. <laughs> the company man. Yo, Justin Hunt, how you doing? <laughs> doing great, man. I was about to be like, because I'm a criminal. <laughs> she got me hyped, man. Your post way better than the half bar I dropped. That was perfect. <laughs> we setting the tone. We got a Patreon request this week for a Lecrae album, and I just happened to watch your Christians and Christian hip-hop video, like, right before we started. Oh, work. Darren, uh, w- were, were you familiar with uh, Lecrae before the uh, before the request? You know, I'd heard that he was, like, you know, from Texas and stuff like that. I was like, oh, you know, it's, you don't really hear about rappers from Texas right now, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool, like, he's doing his thing. But I was like... I'm not really going to go out of my way to listen to it, but, you know, that's cool that he exists in his space because I had had this stigma so long about Christian rap because this the stuff that I had used to listen to years ago, you know, that I had heard, it was just like, this is whack. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and so it was like years have gone by, and so that stigma sort of stuck with me. And so whenever I heard someone say, oh, yo, you need to peep out this Christian rap, I was like, mm, yeah, okay, sure. Because right. of that stigma. And, you know, I kind of felt like a douche after I listened to... Well, first, it was, um... Can I first ask you, what, uh... How, how old are you, uh, Justin? 36. Just turned 36 in August. What is your, like, this is when I got into hip-hop year? Got into hip-hop. Um, God, there's so many levels to that. This uh, is, like, I, the year when you were listening to the music that came out, and that was your year of music. You know what I mean? It's... I, <laughs> I mean, that's that's a loaded question, too. I'd like to say birth. You know, my parents were actually... <laughs> my, my parents were actually you're, you're into really rap. You're really going to go with that? You're going to go with that answer? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess I, by the time I was five, I was, like, submerged in it. You know, like, just between my parents and... But also my older cousin, Shah, who was, like, feeding me albums literally since I, you know, popped out. So I always thought that whatever Shaw thought was cool was cool. If there was a year where I said, okay, I was old enough to go buy my own music, <laughs> like, I guess if that's how we're looking at it, then like nine or 10, um, you know, you know, like it, my money, every every pretty much every dollar I made in elementary school, middle school and high school went to some combination of rap CDs, polo shirts and video games and movie tickets. That was pretty much... I probably spent, you know, 10 years worth of income, no matter what level, on some version of that. And then later on, I'd add, like, Black and Miles and, like, Miller High Life or whatever. But then, like, you know, but then, um, I'll tell you this. This was big for me. When I moved to, uh, I studied abroad in Amsterdam uh, junior year in college. And um, that was my first time living with people who were, where everyone was from a different country, essentially. It wasn't a exchange program as much as it was... We all lived in this flat, <clears throat> excuse me, in the middle of uh, Amsterdam in the city center on the Prinzengrat, like a block from the Anne Frank house. And all had wildly different uh, views and opinions uh, and hip hop favorites, you know, on everything that was happening in the world. This was 2001. So this was also uh, 9-11 happened when I was abroad. And so that, <clears throat> that that's a huge thing to happen on its own, but then also being in another country uh, at the same time. So I, w- I became hyper aware uh, of, you know, global issues really for the first time. It was my first time out of the country. So it was my first time seeing how people from other countries viewed 
you know, America, the United States. Truthfully, it was my first time realizing that everybody didn't have G.I. Joe on, T- on TV. I thought everybody had G.I. Joe. <laughs> no, he was the real American hero for a reason. Like, he wasn't the real Dutch hero. So, you know, like, these are all, like, brand new thoughts while I'm, you know, and I'm sitting here super surprised that America got attacked and everyone else was just kind of like, uh, it's about time, homeboy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, but Join like, the club. <laughs> right. And so, but on that exact day, for example, um, the blueprint dropped too. And I'd already had a half a day, you know, so I'd already had the project riding around on my bike, went to the coffee shop, John blazing. It was amazing. And then, um, so it's, there's a real big hip hop anniversary that happened at that same time because I was a great, great, great project. But overall, I found myself in conversation with people who were, you know, rocking with different types of rap that I was never that big of a fan of. Like, I was not the biggest De La Soul fan. Like, I respected them. I liked everything that people liked about them. I knew that I knew that people liked them a lot. I knew that, you know, they were very original in a lot of things. I just didn't. That's not the type of rap that I was really into. I liked Bone Thugs and Harmony. You know what I'm saying? I liked I liked Ice Cube. You know, I liked, you know, Outkast. I liked Mace. <laughs> you know, so I wasn't listening to like. As much, you know, Daylight back then. I wasn't really listening to like, you know, uh, a lot of experimental stuff. And so I had all these people from all these other places who had different favorites and could really talk about them. Like really, 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 really talk about them. Like in like nuance and detail down to liner notes and like influences. And, you know, it made for some really deep debates <laughs> like deep debates like try like trying to explain you know why bill collector bone mr bill collector is incredible to someone from malaysia whose english is their fourth language <laughs> forces you to get good at your vocabulary <laughs> you know what i'm saying like, like they can barely keep up with the flow in the first place you know like uh, so you know those type of conversations put me in a different place and at the same time i, I was taking an art history class there and my art history professor you know i really it was a dutch art history class i loved it and our professor was like yeah if you really like art history you should take a painting class and that's why that'll help you realize how difficult it is to show perspective like rembrandt how incredibly difficult or pioneering it was for art world when vermeer was able to show motion you know, and I thought about that in the context of, of hip hop. And that also gave me another way to get closer to it. You know, and in the years after that, I ended up moving to New York and I would write rhymes on the subway, never with the intent of being an MC, but really just listening to my art history professor to understand how difficult MCing is. So, <clears throat> which helped, you know, which has really sparked how I ended up talking about rap, writing about rap in the first place, because that was never really a goal. But um, that I'd have to probably say 2001 was probably the year where I started really looking at hip hop and its connection to the world around us. Um, Prior to that, I really just thought it was something I looked at as something I really loved. I was really into my friends were into it. It was everything cool. My older cousin, who I thought was the coolest person in the world, he loved it. So that means I should love it too. But 2001 was the year when I started thinking about how, you know, you hear a great American tale like Jay-Z's Blueprint 1 happened on 9-11. You know, like, what kind of context that really puts, you know, the music that we value in when there's an appreciation and a connection to with people who don't speak English, who aren't from, 
your country, and they still have that same love and appreciation for it, too. So, uh, long-winded answer. I'd probably say 2001. The song was Get a Bar Bandwagon, by the way, by Dream Junkies. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, work. Yeah, that was the Christian rap group that, that I had heard, and I was like, holy God, these guys are good. And then, you know, someone was like, all right, you need to check out Lecrae. And I was like, oh, fine. Because I did the NF review. And it was also sort of like, eh, he's sort of subpar to me, like, as a rapper, you know? And then I heard Lecrae's latest album, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> I was like, this dude is nothing to play with, okay! And uh, when I did my, so when I did my review, I basically just, you know, laid bare that, like, yeah, I had my preconce- preconceived notions, but you know what? He, he, he proved me wrong, and I think, I think it's a good critic that can say, you know what? I was wrong. Basing things off of what we like is totally different than basing things off of, like, how good they are. Like, there's a lot of great stuff that I just don't like. Like, I've never been an LP fan. And this, he's a nice guy. Awesome producer. When I sleep, I'll sleep when you're dead. Everyone loved it that year. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't recognize it for what, you know, went into it. Or how, you know, impactful it is. Or the art that's in there. I just don't like listening to it. <laughs> you know, what I'm yeah, we were kind of the same way with Run the Jewels. Actually, for the first two projects, we were like, you know, they're cool, but like, I don't know what the yeah. hype is about. It it really took for for the third one for it to click with me. Like, I <laughs> I didn't hate Run the Jewels too, but I remember kind of being like, yeah, I, I don't really see it. But then when the fucking third one, it like, it was like a punch from off screen. It was it was that punch from the Gorillas video. <laughs> Right. I was bopping my head with my fucking tongue out, my LMFAO sunglasses on, and that fucking boxing glove came out from the left, and from stage left, and fucking cleaned my clock. Um, I like a lot of pop music that I know isn't yeah. any good. Like, there was a lot of stuff when I was growing up, I was like, man, this is fucking trash. And now I'm going back, I'm like, this is catchy as hell. Like, the lyrics are stupid. It doesn't mean anything. But this is fucking catchy and it's fun and it's like it's like the complete opposite. It's just like you don't have to like good stuff and you don't have to hate bad stuff. You know. I think we have a tendency in hip hop to look at, and this is big shout out to Nima. He's he works at um, Empire Distribution, and we we're having this conversation, and he put this thing in, a, and he he frames something. I think we all think about maybe reflexively feel a lot of times, but he says it so simply. It's so amazing. He's like. Yeah, you know, I used to, I remember back when I used to think the conscious rappers were the good guys. Right, right, right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's some pretty <laughs> asshole conscious rappers yes! out there. <laughs> not, not, not necessarily that nice of people. You know, like some of these gangster rappers are way nicer than these conscious rappers. And then you'll find out it's like, you know, uh, you pay attention to a song that you hadn't heard before and you'll be like, oh my God, that was really homophobic. <laughs> some of the most homophobic sexist (laughs) lines will be from these quote-unquote woke rappers you know like i was just listening to wu-tang clan's latest album right well wu-tang's latest album because apparently it's not yeah it was was the the (laughs) wu-tang side project that was actually a dj mathematic inventor of the wu-tang w symbols album featuring some (laughs) wu-tang members providing uh decent verses but not all of them. There's a skit on there that's like called Family, and it samples Shah Ravi Ravi Vali. And I was thinking, about, I was like, 
yeah, this is a really problematic skit to have on here. Talking about like feminism is trying to turn black women into lesbians or something like that. I'm just like, what? <laughs> what the fuck is this coming from? Right. And then, and then I thought about it. I was like, you know, they've always kind of had some sort of like weird element that was like, uh, like on Genius's album where he has that, um, where Killer Priest. Has that one song where he's like, yeah, life is a pool of sin with, uh, corrupted with foolishness and women with picket si- uh, women with wicked minds who build picket signs to equalize abortion. It's just like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, goddamn. <laughs> like that. Yo, oh, like, write this out of nowhere. That's... I don't know how to feel about this now. This doesn't happen, you know? And then, and then, like, it's so funny to hear, like, other artists, like, um, who is the, uh, uh, the diggable planets. They had, uh, yeah, their album where they were like, they're like, man, you know, it's like the, the uh, this couple came up to me and they were talking about how, you know, they weren't able to support their child, but because of the government, you know, they won't allow them to, to be able to get an abortion. And it was like, yo, dude, it's just, you know, men trying to tell women what to do, man. And it's all bullshit. And I was like, Holy shit, I was not expecting a 90s rapper to say something like that. Like, it's so weird, like, diggable planets. I mean, I know that they're more, like, you know, considered, like, hippie rappers, but I never thought of them on that level. And it's weird how, like, they're more progressive than, like, this Wu-Tang collective that's, like, you know, is supposed to be, like, with this revolutionary different ideology and mindset, you know. Although, I think they're both sort of, like, followers of 5%, I think, weren't they? Uh, I, I'm not sure about Digable Planets. No, because I wouldn't be surprised. Said, I got though. crew, kids, seven and a crescent. I thought that was a reference. Oh, to yeah, them. well, that's it. Yeah, that would be it. Yeah. yeah. That would definitely be it. Yeah, Nations of Gods and Earth. I got it. You know, I'm working on a piece right now that's looking at Islam and hip hop. And uh, mm. uh, when I start researching that, <clears throat> um, well, I've started asking, I started the interview portions of it, but I haven't got to the part where I'm looking at all the artists in each vertical or whatever. Mm. But those guys, Diggable Planets, man, I feel like they should have been bigger just because totally. I felt like they were. They were on the zeitgeist with the whole jazz stuff, you know what I mean? They could all rhyme. I, their B-sides were kind of mediocre, but they had some joints on there. Dude, their second album was fucking incredible. Like, I I, uh, I did an episode on them for a cool like that, right? And uh, did you ever notice that every line starts with a uh, pronoun? No. <laughs> is... I never noticed that. <laughs> I never thought about that before. Until one day I'm like listening to it and I was like, why are they talking like that? Because, you know, he says, like, us throw a rush when we started playing classics. He gets the beats and the da 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 And I was like, why do they keep... You did the cool on the fattest hip-hop record. Yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. <laughs> he touched the beat, says, six to the sound. She frequently found a choice. Yeah. Dang, so I never even thought about this before. <laughs> <laughs> that's some rap critic stuff right there, man. That's why I fucked with you, rap critic. That's why I fucked with you. <laughs> and it's so fascinating because it was like, they just thought of that and like they didn't tell anyone what the style was but like that was them experimenting with the style and i find that fascinating that it's like people were just doing that more back then like experimenting with new styles because everyone because what they had to push back against was the 80s style which was very sort of boxed you know it was like you know what i mean and it was just like all right we're not just trying to say something that works over a beat we're trying to actually 
be better lyrically than that person. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that all sprung from, like, Rock Him and, like, Big Daddy Kane, you know? Or it's just like, oh, they're not just rhyming. They're doing, they're rhyming within the rhyme, <laughs> you know? I, I noticed well, in the 90s there was a lot less rappers telling me that they were uh, in the USA and they were telling me what they were there to say. <laughs> There's a big drop off of that. We're picking up old school. It's so much fun doing that sometimes. I think, uh, you know, there's, uh, what's his name? Donald Glover. His stand-up comedy special is hilarious. I don't know if you've seen this on Netflix. Oh, he's yes, always, yes. <laughs> he, he's always like, you know, people talk about old school rap. It's like, it's all great. No. it's A lot of times, it's really whack. Like, <laughs> I went to the hat store and bought a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I find that kind of fascinating as well because... You made a video, or, or wait, was it Merce that made the video? It was like, wait, there's like two channels, but they're, wait, are you in charge of the Hip Hop DX channel? But yeah, I, the breakdown that Merce hosts, yeah, that, that's the show I created. That's, it's the same show. Okay, that, so <laughs> basically that's your baby. the same that's show. Your baby. Yeah, it's, it's what I created, yeah. So, there was one episode where he talked about, like, you know, uh, people always talk about how, like, you know, the old school used to be better. You know, it used to be smart, smarter rappers. And this is like, well, you know, let's take a look at this clip where it's just about like yeah. saying shit to rock a party. And this is like, you know, and it's the point that I've been trying to make in my episodes. Like, but I try to do it in reverse because what people like to say is uh, people who are, you know, no, you know, uh, uh, that that just like to listen to newer music and like and mainstream shit. They go like, oh, man, you fucking backpack ass rappers only like the 90s ass rappers when people were all super lyrical and shit and you know my point in i can't remember which episode it was i think it might have been the mc hammer episode but where my point was that it's like you know rap wasn't all it's like rap has not always been super lyrical and it hasn't always been about parties it's always been both it's always been like because yeah. you know like you look back yeah we had the message but we also had fucking rapping duke like has anyone ever gotten back and really <laughs> listened to that song that song is horrible it's really bad i think the the things that make the golden era stand out are things that things like how people didn't want to sound like other people. Yeah. Like that is that's a very real thing that I'm not sure is discussed often enough when we compare these two eras. Yeah, yeah not to compare that not to say that everybody was lyrical or unlyrical or that people didn't have a good time and now they only want to have a good time. Mm -hmm. It was just really bad if you were copying other people's stuff. Yeah. And that plays into that. To me, that's the subtext of when we look at the difference in these eras, because when you had so many people pushing so far to do brand new things like whole songs that begins with pronouns, you know, <laughs> or like internal rhyme schemes, like these are kind of things that actually do help not only push the culture forward and add What's the Lupe line? You, uh, did you improve on the design? Did you do something new, right? Yeah. Not only add to what's been there, but also separate yourself from everyone else. Exactly. And, like, here's the reason why you need to listen to me, because I'm doing what these other people aren't doing. You're offering something different, right? Now, the only problem, like, you know, because I thought that was a good video for MERS, you know, I, I don't know if it really addressed that. And mm -hmm. so, like, you know, when he's looking at, like, um, Migos versus DOS effects or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, 
The difference is Das Effects was doing a style that hadn't been around. Yeah, yeah, Migos that's a good is point. doing yeah. Lord Infamous. So <laughs> like, it's that's on the top difference. of yeah. So compacted on top of the idea is like yeah, it is weird. And there was like there, there was a time in the early '90s where it was like make a song where rap songs were either like super political or they were completely ridiculous. <laughs> you know, they want like right. they want effects is really ridiculous. Hip hop junkies is really ridiculous. Uh, Method Man by Wu Tang Clan, that first single, it's kind of ridiculous. It's just like, why are all these references just in here? They don't really mean anything. It's just ridiculous. But the, it's the idea that it's like, no one's talked like this on a song like this before, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And they made it a hit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like that kind of stuff, I think, is what I think about when I think about the true difference. Like, stylistically, yeah, man, but somebody had to, there had to be a, like, a somebody Model T Somebody had to be the suck. first to do it in the first place, yeah. Right, like, the, the Model T is a terrible car. There's no car <laughs> that I want, you know, uh, there's no car that I wanted, I would trade, uh, for now for a model t yeah yeah but it doesn't mean like the model t was like suspect what everyone else had horses yeah model exactly. t didn't even drink water i think, <laughs> I think it's funny how hip-hop is such is so rich in like originality and why that's so important but meanwhile like the song that most people would consider to be like the first major like rap song <laughs> like the oldest one they can name is a total ripoff oh that's yeah that's kind of funny with uh fucking uh rapper's delight like yeah. a whole verse is just bitten from somebody else that nobody knows now name. he didn't even change the name well i'm the c-a-s-a the n-o-v-a the rest is f-l-y i was like but you just you're they said your name was big bang hank but <laughs> god damn it you didn't even try <laughs> There was a video, and I want to give him a shout-out, because uh, we've had him on the show before. Great guy. Uh, D-Respect had a video about the Little B and a boogie with a hoodie uh, situation. And he kind of started off by talking about how, with modern rap fans, originality isn't as important as being a good guy. And I thought that was a really interesting point. He brought up an example of uh, Bodak Yellow being such a big hit. And no one really paying attention to the fact that it's like a... It totally rips off someone's style, yeah. And they were like, hey, you know, it's it's okay that a, a boogie with a hoodie isn't exactly, like, the most original. But now that he goes ahead and punches a motherfucker for no good reason... The unoriginality gets used as an amplifier for their shitty behavior. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. not only are you shitty, but oh yeah, you also did this. We reviewed a Lil B album on the show a while back, <laughs> and we still get comments about it because we were candid and we were honest and we said what we thought about the album. And Lil B fans are still uh, crawling out of the woodwork to uh, to tear us to shreds over it. But and I, I posted this on Twitter. I said, you know, for all the hate we gave the album, I would never advocate someone going out and beating him up when i saw the video i was like wait why is this happening that's that's the first thing you ask right like why did these guys decide to just beat him up because of this tweet and i sent it to you all these new york rappers are sounding like Dej loaf and future and the thing about it is it's like i mean 
Like, how do you, how can you get mad at that? Like, it's not like, whoops, what an accident. I accidentally sounded like the most popular rapper. Oh, wow, what a coincidence. No, it's like, dude, just own up. You, you of course you were trying to sound like it. You know what I mean? But it's like, what's funny is that being original is not the problem. It's being called out for not being original that the, that, you know, these guys took issue with. I don't think Kodak, Kodak didn't, when he put out that video where he said, at first he was mad, but he's okay with Bodak Yellow. Well, I think he's okay with Bodak Yellow because she's a woman. I honestly think that's it. Like, if it was a dude biting his style, a dude biting his style, that's competition as an artist. But I don't think he feels like a female artist is competition. That, that's just my theory to throw out there. Like, she gave him credit, though. Like, she straight up said that. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, like she also wasn't denying it. When Drake was biting people's flow... Even if he had said, like, I got a British artist on my songs and I'm still biting their flows, people still got mad at him for it. Is Kodak Black getting writer's credit on Bodak Yellow? If, if he's getting royalties, then yeah, that's yeah, another reason care. why he wouldn't care. Yeah, it's like, if I'm getting paid, I'm getting paid, I don't care. <laughs> right, right. It's jumping to conclusions to assume that people don't care about someone not being original. If the song is better, like, I don't, I personally don't care that Bodak Yellow is derivative because I like Mm. it more. Now, I don't know what that says about me, if that's like a shitty opinion, a shitty take or what, but at the end of the day, it's like music is, you know, meant to be enjoyed. And if I enjoy one artist more than the other, and it just so happens that the songs are similar, you know, that's not... That's not my fault or my problem, I wouldn't say, you know? I'm just taking it in. I'm, I'm a consumer. Billboard gives credit, uh, says that Kodak's getting credit for Bodak Yellow. Now oh, then, it's all good then. <laughs> well, I, I thought that was the irony. I, I thought that whole fight was ironic. We talked about this on All Out Show yesterday. And yeah, I, 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 I agree completely. Like, this is an era where people don't care about biting. So why are they fighting? I think that is interesting how we're oddly okay with this, where like 20 years ago it would be like, fuck you for taking my style. But I think that also plays into how back then it was like, New York had a sound. West Coast had a sound, you know? And and so it's like, all right, not only would you be biting this other place over here that I know you're not from because you're from over here, but also you are not that person and you're trying to sound like them. But I think just like... The fact that we're in a more open world now, because there aren't regions. The only region is the internet. You know what I mean? Like, so part of that brings us together because it means that people can mix styles without having, like, it's the collapse of ownership in one way because, you know, this is now inviting more creativity. This is now inviting, like, well, hey, maybe this other person over here would have had a good idea with what to do with that sound, but he would never be able to get it because he has never heard it. You know, so now we're allowing more people to do it. But then at the same time, yeah, there's that issue of being derivative of, okay, but just because you are doing that style doesn't mean you're not supposed to bring something unique to it. So when you're doing this style and you're just doing what they're doing, well, that's whack. But I think where Cardi B kind of bounces off from that is, First of all, she has a different aesthetic than Kodak Black. He's a really dark dude. She's a really light-skinned woman who's partially Latina. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a different perspective that she's going to be coming with anyway. She's also not really talking... Like, she's not talking about the exact same sort of stuff. 
you know? So, like, if if she had, like, the really weird, high-pitched voice and sounded like she was, like, fading out of reality with her flow, then I think people, it would be more justified in saying, yo, she's being derivative. But the only thing she's doing is really using the flow. But she's not, you know what I mean? And she used the word honestly, but, like, it's not really trying to take his spot, necessarily. You know, like, if there was another dark-skinned dude who came out, you know, and had the fucking, you know, curls and everything like that, like, then I could see you getting mad. Like, when 21 Savage got mad at 22 Savage. This is like, okay, you're literally taking my name. I also think that, you know, underneath a lot of this is the impact that hip-hop overall has on culture, or hip-hop culture, uh, being the reason why we have as much care for most of these artists now, as opposed to um, previously, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure, for example, music is the gateway into w- what we know about these people anymore, as much as, you know, somebody was fly on Instagram and then they put out a project or they were on a reality show and then their music blew up. So the secondary, you know, but it's all still within the same culture. It's all still within, you know, things that matter in hip hop. That's why hip hop's number one, because nobody cares what country music artists are doing when they're not performing a country song or whatever. It's not just... I made a pop song that someone else wrote. Well, I mean, you know, we're kind of getting into that too. But, like, it's not just, like, with pop stars, it's understood that they didn't write the lyrics. But with this, it's like, I know that you did this. I know that you wrote this. To some extent, I associate your music directly with who you are and how you live your everyday life. In fact, rappers talk about it all the time. And so hip-hop was... The way it was designed facilitates it being able to work with social media because the raps blend in with the Instagram, you know, like the rappers are talking about how they got, you know, the chains and the shit. And then, oh, wait, he really has it on Instagram. You know, like a lot of country singers, a typical thing, like, what are they talking about? Like, oh, I'm with my girl or, oh, we're kicking back and having some brews. But that's not the same as like, yo, he talked about being in a fly-ass mansion and there he is in a fly-ass mansion. It's, 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 it's the same reason why cats, you know, go get a whole bunch of fake money and just put it on the, on the gram. And, you know, it's, one, people like to see it. The money phone is the new gold chain. It's how you show you got, <laughs> you, you show how you balling. It's a glimpse into the extreme excess that we all watch on every level anyway like part of the reason i think trump is so compelling even if you're whether you're failing or not is like this mug will go out there and pretty much say anything like there is excessive range to whatever because everything that he says is the best i used to think it was hilarious how all reality shows were in mansions like even joe millionaire which is about the broke guy Mm -hmm. you know was in the mansion yeah (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, and so, you know, just culturally speaking, we like to see that kind of stuff. And only thing difference now from before is we see that stuff first a lot of times. Like before we even get it, even before we care enough to click on a song from somebody, we probably click the lifestyle before you see the music. Exactly. So in that regard, the music truly is secondary down to our critiques of it. Yeah, I know he's biting, but yo, you seen him on the gram? No. He seemed cool as hell. He'd be dropping jewels, you know. I'm just really inspired by the life they live. Oh man, they said some really cool stuff two weeks ago on on the on the Snapchat. So we're not we don't necessarily care as a population because that's not even our entry point. DJ Khaled is a great point. If he could find a way to monetize Snapchat, he would be 
like a billionaire by now. But my problem with DJ Khaled is like, like, like I don't have a problem with this idea of like lifestyle preceding the music as long as the music is still good, right? Because, like, that's all I really care about. If you're, hey, you can do whatever you want that's an accessory to the music as long as the music is nice. But my problem with DJ Khaled is that it's like, where is that personality that he puts on Snapchat when it comes to his albums? That's my problem with him, right? Because when he puts on albums, all he says is, you know, iconic, legendary. He's not, like, talking all that wild shit that he does on Snapchat, you know? Like, so it would be cool if he did put that into into his music, like... For me, I don't care about, you know, being mainstream or underground. It's like, just make it interesting. What I wanted to say, like, going forward through that, like, Lil B did something that was kind of incredible. He, first of all, A Boogie and PMB Rock are punks. I'm going to say that right now because, like, oh, big man beating up one dude with 10 guys. You know what I mean? Like... To, like that's not that's not a man to me. Like if I saw like he squared up and he was like, "Yo, I'm gonna, I'm about to come see you, bro." Throw them hands. You know, it was like, "All right, at least he's like giving them a fair chance." You said some shit about me. I feel like taking it to this extent, but rolling up on somebody with ten dudes and stomping the shit out of him. It was like, dude, like what the I, fuck? You I know? think we I think we know how you know. It, I, I think there was at some point that conversation escalated. Right, I can see them yeah. approaching Lil B. What's up with that tweet? And I can yeah. see Lil B saying something like, "If you feel like it's about you, then what else? What can I do?" Like I could see that <laughs> happening. And that's a smart way to say it too. Like, oh, oh, oh my God, did I tell you? You know what this reminds me of? Like when I was, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. It was like when I was in um, high school, someone passed a note along to me, and it was it was really insulting, right? And I was like, well, if I went to the teacher with this, you know, the person who did it is not going to confess. You know what I'm saying? So what I wrote did was I wrote on the back of the, no- the note, I said, whoever wrote this was congealed in a gutter and has no mother. And I passed it right back to the person who passed it to me. And then the guilty dog barked. <laughs> you know, they were like, yo, fuck you. What are you doing talking about? Like saying I don't have a mom. I was like, I didn't say you didn't have a mom. I said whoever wrote it didn't have a mom. Now that person who wrote that insulted me first. So, <laughs> you know. That's, that's, some, that's, some, that's some triple word score retaliation right there, man. <laughs> Congealed. Wow. But it's like, and I went to the principal's office and they couldn't get mad at me because it's like, I didn't. Like, all I was doing was retaliating against a person. I didn't even know who it was anyway until they confessed. <laughs> That's hilarious, yo. You know, I, you know, I think I had an encounter with a, a very famous rapper. <laughs> I guess not very famous, definitely famous rapper at a Grammy after party one year. And, you know, I walked up to him because we had tried, I've been trying to land an interview with this, this guy for a while and tried to do it all the right ways, went through his label, went through his publicist. And so I saw him at the event. I'm like, yo, what's up? Yo, man, Justin with Hip Hop DX, you know, want to, uh, would love to sit down and have an interview. And he was like, Hip Hop DX, huh? And I'm like, yeah. He was like, y'all left, y'all left me off of your uh, top 25 list. I'm like, oh, you mean our year end list? He was like, yeah. I was like, you're number 26. And then, and then he was like, he got really upset. See, you don't even support me. You don't even support me. I'm like, man, you know, I was like, man, when's the last time that I've seen you talk to any blog? 
I hadn't seen you talk to Two Dope Boys. I haven't seen you talk to all hip-hop. I don't see you talking to hot new hip-hop. You don't, you don't talk to any blog at all. You only talk to radio and television. So, you know, I don't understand why you're expecting us to show you all this love. When we actually do, we cover your turkey giveaways. We cover your new music when it comes out. We post your songs. But when it comes time to sit down and do something cool and exclusive, you don't have time for us. You win Hollywood. And that's when his, uh, his entourage got really upset at me. And so, so because like now I've called, you know, somebody Hollywood is not a good term, but you see how that can escalate. <laughs> like you can see how that can escalate. You know, it, we didn't get into yeah. a brawl. It pretty much ended with him whining to his publicist later on. You like if a, someone came up to me and was like, yo, here's the receipts for why I feel this way. Then like, you should be able to go like, you know what? You're right. I, my bad, man. Like, Hey, let's set something up. Da, da, da. Instead of just going, well, I don't like that you critiqued me. <laughs> you know. Right, right, right. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a. You never know how things go. I don't think I, I think that tweet's enough to make ten people approach one guy. I don't think that's enough. I think if you're gonna say something like that, you need names. I don't know, man. Look again, like especially because you know I lived in my family's from New York. I, I lived in Brooklyn longer than I lived anywhere else. And Brooklyn, New York City, is a very you know proud place. Like, pretty much any region, but, you know, past 10 years, New York's been taking L's online. All you do is see people make, dropping, the, the funniest regional memes are always about New York. Everyone's always <laughs> talking about New York fell off. New York ain't coming back. People are, are will consciously, you know, dismiss all of the successful artists from New York. They don't consider Nicki Minaj and all these things, French Montana, ASAP Rocky, all, no one really considers them. But when you come from that, and you're from the Bronx, the place where it was born. And you got, so if there's a last bastion of some place that really cares about being original, it's probably the Bronx. Did New York not have it coming in the 90s and early 2000s when they were quick to shit on West Coast and Southern rappers? Did New York not have it coming to the ego when they were like, nah, fuck with the Southern cats are hollering? 100%, but you can't blame everything on Hillary Clinton. It can't always be Hillary's fault. <laughs> everything that popped up can't be Hillary. We're not even talking about motivation. We're not talking about whether something's justified we're just talking about whether or not you can see why we get upset we're talking again we're this you know I, I think it's a great point this this generation does not care about originality first you know they care about whether you're cool if you're a nice guy the lifestyle you're living all that kind of stuff but if there is one place that probably at least got an uncle in his ear Probably at least got some, you know, old dudes saying, this is cool, man, but this sounds like Dave. Imagine being, imagine putting out music and everybody older than you that, that's in your life who taught you everything about rap. All your cool other, uh, older cousin shots, for example, are like, oh, man, this is cool. Sounds like Future Love. Oh, man, this is cool. Sounds like Dave Loaf, though. Then you go 3,000 miles to San Francisco, run into Little B, who is the Gucci mane of, like, this internet era or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, and hey, you see a tweet and you see him and you're like, hey, man, what's up with that tweet? There's a conversation. Somehow it escalates. I'm not sure how crazy it is to see someone get stopped. If you hear somebody saying like, yo, that's good, but it sounds like so-and-so was like, well, were you inspired by them or not? Like, if, if, like, I can, I do not believe that these people honestly were like, nah, I'm not trying to sound like anybody else. I'm just trying to sound completely original and whoopsie daisy, it sounds like the popular artist that's out right now. Like, that's absolute bunk. You know, so it's like, if you're gonna 
be mad that somebody's comparing you to this person that you were trying to sound like because you wanted to be popular. Like, don't get mad about it. You know what I mean? Like, you you wanted the fruits of the success of sounding like someone who's popular. Don't get mad that there's, you know, that there's other stuff that comes with it, too. Having to take, having to take it on the chin that, like, you know what, hey, I'm trying to sound like them. But you could at least be like... But what they're not doing is this. Like, this is their style. But what I'm doing is this. At least, like, explain so it's like... Because if you explained and went like, all right, he's saying that I'm trying to do this style, but actually what I'm doing is expanding upon that style because what they haven't done is this. That's going to be more respectable than... And and more able to get people on your side than... You said it sounded like that? Now I'm going to hit you. Because now at what everyone on looking is thinking is, he got to him. He got to him, so he must be right. You want to know why? Because he felt like he couldn't approach him with words. He felt like he had to hit him. He felt like he had to shut him down instead of proving him wrong. So now, everybody on the internet, and you know how it is. Like, nowadays, if you're starting a fight with somebody, you're not seen as the good guy. You know, like, there was a time in the 90s where it was sort of ambiguous when Karis won through, you know, uh, uh, what's his name off, off the stage, uh, Prince B., you know, like, there were some people who were like, yeah, but he rapped for real hip-hop, so that's why he did that. But nowadays, it's like, there's no, absolutely no pretense. Like, you did that because you were insecure. That's the reason why you did that. And fucking, uh, uh, blessings on Lil B with the way he responded. Like, he really had his metal tested. And he came out and he was like, no, I don't wish, you know, pain or strife on that person I don't want to see anybody try to come get revenge or nothing like that. He was like, I just want there to be peace. And fucking PMB Rock and, and other dude has fucking egg on their face now because now they look like assholes. Because if Lil B had retaliated, it would have been like, all right, now it's on. We're going back and forth. Rap beef. You know what I'm saying? But now it's like, oh shit, I hit this guy and now he looks like the good guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I think about, you know, you raised a great point with Drake earlier. And the thing I think about with, like, artists like Cardi B or even a Boogie in this context, when I think about them biting, quote-unquote, all things considered, they're new artists. And the other thing that's different with this era versus previous eras is we see these, we see all these kids with all the warts on them. Like, we don't see them That's a good dope. point. We don't see them dope yet. We haven't seen what they're going to eventually evolve into or what, you know, tends to inspire the, their future flow. Whereas with someone like Drake, he literally, he came up sounding like some other people, got his own thing, and then every time something new hot comes out, that's what he sounds like now. So that it is, that's a difference when you have someone who is as successful at the top of the heap and they've started getting all these other people helping them do everything. <laughs> that's like that's a different conversation you know it's funny like drake you know with uh that despacito and all these other spanish hits you know drake gonna come out speaking spanish next year you know that's gonna happen right champagne poppy hey he's back <laughs> something we were talking about where we're seeing a trend already uh we heard some shit a lot of shit rather about triple x now we got this about fucking a boogie PNB Rock. Is this the most controversial double XL freshman class? <laughs> it's like a, like just checking them off as we go. We were talking earlier. It's like, I really don't want to hear shit about Amine because I'm rooting for him. Like, I really like that album and I'm like, please, 
Please don't do anything fucking stupid. Keep your head down. <laughs> that might just be the best way to go about it at this point. So this was a Patreon request by Cedric Winters, who also requested uh, me to review the, uh, the, the single Blessings from his latest album. Oh, okay. So this guy's really into Christian rap, I guess. <laughs> it's funny. Every so often we get the folks who just like, they're really big into... You know, one very specific thing. Like, I know we've had one dude request like three Doomtree related projects. It's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not about to tell you no because you're helping us out on Patreon. But it's like, I got it. <laughs> I see you. All right, J- Justin. What did What did you think going into this project? We didn't even say what it was. Oh yeah, this is Church Clothes Three, uh, by Lecrae from last year. I think the mixtape from that he released last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think of it? Uh, you know, going into it, I didn't have any expectations really. You know, I, we covered a lot of Reach Record stuff, a lot of Christian hip hop, um, at DX. Jake Payne, the previous editor in chief was, you know, he has a relationship with them and he's amazing at finding, uh, all like aspects of hip hop that are under discussed. And I think that's probably where the relationship was built at some point. I'm not sure. But on our staff, we had Victoria Hernandez, who was a huge CHH fan, Christian hip hop fan. So she was on that beat and she would cover stuff uh, for us that was happening uh, in that side of, of the culture. And so Lecrae was always one of those artists I respected because of his company, because of his, you know, uh, business savvy, because of his uh, ability to make a lane that didn't exist before and the, and the heights he's been able to reach because of that. But I was never really like a, you know, Lecrae, I'm not an old Lecrae fan or anything like that, you know, like I would listen, I've listened to his projects. So in that regard, I didn't have any expectations. I was like, oh, here's another Lecrae project. I think I'll take a listen. Yeah, I was in the exact same boat because, I mean, for me, well, not the exact same, but remotely the same because I wasn't familiar at all. So this was just my first uh, taste going in. So I had absolutely no expectations going in. I wasn't sure what this was. I saw that the album was uh, called Church Clothes. I wondered if it was going to be like a Christian hip hop thing or if not. And uh, for me, I've talked about this on the show before, and this is just a completely personal preference is that um, like I myself, um, I'm not too big uh, when it gets like, ov- like really over beating you over the head uh, preachiness in the music. Um, and that's not even to say like it's bad if it does. Again, it's just personal preference for me. And most of the time, the albums out that we review on the show, they always toe that line so much. I know, um, I guess if you're gonna put Chance as being probably, like, the most that we've talked about, and, I don't know, like, Arrested Development, because even that was kind of, like, it was kind of toeing the line so much. Um, this fell, uh, fell in the middle for me. Um, it, it wasn't, um, th- there were times where I wasn't sure, is what I'm saying, like, I didn't know until I looked it up after listening to it the first time that it was even supposed to be, um, like, falling in the genre of uh, Christian hip-hop, because there were times where it can go either way, especially since we've been talking about, too, like, we talked about this in the show before, just because a rapper is a Christian and they talk about things in the songs doesn't exactly mean, you know, that it falls into that category, um, where that they want to be uh, considered in that genre. But I really, really, really liked uh, liked this EP. Um, flew by 
uh, very varied in topics, which again is uh, not often seen in the albums that we uh, that we get to review. Uh, if if they are uh, talking about some conscious uh, social issues or whatever, normally they only kind of fall into one avenue. Usually, um, I know like on Logics, it seemed to be very heavy in the um, being biracial. Did you know that Logic is half black and half white? No! Dude, I can't tell you how many fucking comments I've gotten. <laughs> did you know? I did not. That, that is fucking news right. to me. Right. Um, you know, other ones talk about, like, uh, police brutality. I know there was, um, I think it was the Vic Mensa EP. I, I know you didn't listen to that one because that was the one week where we got our wires crossed and we both listened to different Patreon requests. <laughs> oh, wow. But, um, yeah, this one, was it was kind of all over the place in a very good way. Yeah, I think, you know, what I, what I appreciate... The crazy in a tough spot, right? Because he actually was CHH. Like he came up with Christian hip hop and it's evolving into, I guess, more inspirational music or whatever. Um, and I have had such. I, I, I inherently equate Christian rap with whack, like Derek Minor said in the video, right? Like I feel like that's our stereotype. And this definitely isn't that. But when I. But when I take this project outside of a Christian, like Christian hip hop lens, that's when I question how good it really is. Because then I'm like, well, but is this really like below the heavens good? You know what I mean? Like, is this like Forest Hill Drive? Like, I think that project is loved a little too much, but is it, does it compete with Forest Hill Drive? And here's what this project does really well that I appreciate it. I like their history lessons, like that Gangland song, I think it's called. Right. They, <clears throat> that song was awesome. You know, like that kind of stuff to me is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, dog, gang started because we was getting lynched. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bloods right, and right. Crips came from uh, the spook hunters trying to cross the street and beat up black people. You know, like I, it's a it's a great uh, example of uh, of another way to talk about stuff in rhyme. And which to me was a reflection of his, like, storytelling ability. He mentions, like, biblical stuff without saying, like, the Bible. Or he'll start without saying, like, Bible verses or making quotes from the Bible. He'll say, you know... How's he it, he integrates it. Yeah, he does that really well. Um, and so I like that quite a bit. While still having, like, John Gibbs and, you know, on the project, like, these are Christian rappers, you know, or CHH rappers or Reach Records or guys or whatever. Like, so it, the presence is always there, but... It feels like as inspirational as, you know, uh, a Kanye record, to be honest with you. Like, Graduation to me is a really inspirational ref uh, record, um, just the way it feels, <clears throat> you know, and without necessarily going straight to some of his inspirations. Or even like, you know, um, Jesus, as angry as it is, there's a lot of, you know, uh, religious sort of themes that rock through it without, you know, going, going straight into, okay, now we're talking about the Bible. All of the songs, well, most of them that he does on here are sort of like, I'm trying to show you a Christian person in the real world and not a Christian person in Christian rap, right? Because, like, he has some songs that are just, like, just about him hanging out with his friends. And, like, yeah, he starts off, like, you know, he's he reads a Bible verse or two, you know, but that's not, like, the point of the song. That's just, that's just a part of my life. That's just real, you know? And... Uh, like like with cruising or 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 he has the the bragging songs like he has those like with sidelines or with um 
Dude, I loved Misconceptions 3. Good Lord. It blew the roof off with that shit. I was like, oh, Great my God. Great song. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and I wouldn't know. Uh, it, it was The course was a little confusing. Like, he's like, I'm living life like you want to know what I know. And then in the background, he's like, I don't know nothing. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> but, um, and then E40, you know, the, I think, was it the Can't Do You? That, that was the one where I thought, it was okay. Uh, E4, he's, it like, he had a dope, like, whole bunch of slang at the beginning of his verse, but it was like, overall, I thought that one was alright. It had that weird line where he says, my clothes don't match, and my holes got a pants. Wait, I think I may have said it backwards. And it was just like, what? What did that mean? Why did you say that? That doesn't make any sense. I was in the gym listening to the project, like, Trying to, I actually had to stop my workout and pause it and just like really try to think if that made sense. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one who raised an eyebrow because I was like, uh, I'll just let that go, man. Dude, he's just he's just clever and he's like dope. Just oh my god, who, who's that had the guest verse on? Uh, it, he was just speaking on uh, Gangland. He said um, propaganda. He said. Yeah, where he says, um, delusional calling that system criminal justice where the rich and the guilty are safer than the poor and the innocent. Why would we listen when American churches scuff their their toms on our brothers' dead bodies as they march to stop gay marriage? Yo, we had issues with Planned Parenthood, too. We just cared about black lives outside the womb just as much as in. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, man. Like. He's a he's a really talented lyricist, and he's a ta- and, and he's got perspective, you mm-hmm. know. Like, uh, yeah, he, it's not just about like follow the Lord and eat your peas, you know. It's like this is what the Lord's work calls me to do. It calls me to be revolutionary, and I think that that's awesome. We can't let it be one hundred percent. It's impossible. What? I gotta say that I I was loving the shit out of this album. I gotta say. Fucking forever took me out of it a little bit. Forever? Oh, you mean the one that was dedicated to his wife? Yeah, like the one, like, short as fuck love song was like, oh, okay, alright. Like, I was just kind of waiting for it to be over to get back to the shit. I don't know if I was alone in that, but I was just like, alright. Like, it was such a weird change in pace, and right at the end, it was just like, I don't know, like, maybe if it was more towards the middle, but it just kind of felt like, yeah, okay, like, it felt like there was a little trip before you crossed the finish line. That's just how I felt about that one. I I, I don't, I mean, the production is my challenge, you know, I think, you know, it all just sounds really regular to me. Like, there's nothing uh, luscious about the production, and I tend to, and I, but even though I feel like that's kind of what was going for it. Like, you know, like freedom sounds like it sounded bomb squad inspired, you know, for example, you know, um, and all that's cool. It's just, and I'm a lyrics first guy. So I tend to think about the music second, secondary, but when I played this track for other people, I mean, played this album for other people. The first thing I notice is like people tune out because not, and it's not because it was rhymes because you know, the, the music sounds really regular. And maybe that's why it's like a mixtape. I did notice there was a lot more life that I got from Misconceptions 3. Like, I was way more awake by that point than... Yeah, in the middle of, like, sidelines cruising, it is what it is. 
I can understand people kind of feeling like it sort of falls off music-wise. I felt like it was a solid enough group, personally. Uh, I would actually give this a solid 5 out of 5. The project, really? Yeah, I oh, really wow. liked it. You loved yeah. it? Yeah. That's what's I know. up. I, <laughs> I was just like, wow, I was not expecting to, like, like fully enjoy this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For Word any enough. flaws that I did feel like I had, it was just like, it's solid enough to deserve this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten tracks, brief listen. You know, it does what it needs to do and gets out, you know? I would feel comfortable with, with a four myself um, be, uh, because of the some uh, shortcomings we had talked about. The one song kind of took me out of it. Um, yeah, like um, like Justin had said, the uh, the production was serviceable, but I didn't think it really went anywhere. Like, it didn't exceed anything. It just kind of, like, like you had said, normal is a really good word for it. It was like, it was serviceable. It got the job done. But there was there was no like wow I need to re-listen to that one because that fucking like that 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 beat was fucking fire or whatever. But like the, like I said in the beginning, there was a lot of great shit being said on here. Um, covered a lot of bases. Um, did a lot more well than other albums that we talked about that try to achieve uh, some of the same strides and kind of fall short. Um, it exceeded my expectations overall, though. Uh, especially since I didn't have any going in, um, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, I, th- I think I'd be comfortable with a four. Yeah, I I go three point five on it. I think it's uh, I, I think the lyrics are amazing. Uh, I, I think the lyrics are really really great. Uh, I don't want to say amazing because that's like man, if the lyrics are amazing. Why are they giving three point five? Um, <laughs> yeah, they're exactly. really yeah, they're 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 really dope, man. And I, I appreciate his perspective. I appreciate where he's coming from. I like the stories he's telling. I like how he brings people in. Uh, I don't need Can't Do You. I just don't need it at all. I feel the same way you feel about Forever, for example. But my problem okay. with Can't Do You is like, I just don't feel like it's it's the one song where I feel like he sounds the least comfortable, the least at home. It kind of stands out more than, I'm not even sure if it should be on this project. And outside of having E-40 on it, it's, I mean, it's a Bay Area track, and maybe he wants to ingratiate himself to that audience, so I can see the strategy behind stuff like that. But, you know, we're looking at 10 tracks. You know, I take away that one. I take away Forever. Um... And that plus the music being serviceable, being really regular to me, you know, that's seven. <laughs> that's seven out of ten. That's 70% right there if we're just going to add it up. Um, but I go with 3.5 more so because I think that it's the reason things that I think it does really, really great, um, it does exceptionally well, right? Like it makes me think. And I need projects that make me think because when I've run into projects that make me think, I tend to go back from my own personal self. Those are the type of projects I tend to go back to in the future. Like those are the ones that I tend to that tend to have the highest replay value. And for Lecrae to do that and do that from a, you know, uh, uh, was it? I'm not a Christian rapper, but I'm a rapper who's a Christian from a rapper who's a Christian perspective. You know, he does it really, really well. Um, I give it a three point five. I also, I also tend to look at, I look at projects a lot of times by like how, like I, I feel like at, a, at its core, music is only as good as you want to listen to it. Like if, if it, it could be a masterpiece album, but if I don't want to listen to it, you know, like uh, how good is it really? Like, <laughs> I don't know, it's a great, did a great thing, but I just never want to listen to it. But so I end up looking at songs, looking at albums, like where they work for me. Like 
They, do they work in the gym? Can I smoke and ride to it? Does it work when I'm in Mac mode, hollering at a chick? Can I? Can this get me through cleaning house without me having to press skip a whole bunch of times? You know, like the vibe that uh, if, if an album can rock everywhere that I listen to music, yeah, it's a pretty good album, five tool album, you know. And so, you know, I'm not even on that type of tip. Yeah, I'm not really gonna be hollering at chicks with church clothes three on in the background, you know. <laughs> I'm not gonna downshift into Mac mode. <laughs> to church right, close right. three <laughs> not that, that every project has to do that but like you know great projects do that too graduation you know you get enlightened and you can get some you know you can you, can, you know go on a date you know like there's there's ways to do all kinds of things that about does it for this week's episode of the going off podcast thank you very much for listening thank you very much justin hunt of the company man checking us out i said of i guess i could just say the company man I don't know. The formality's there. Justin Hunt is the company man. <laughs> um, thank you very much for joining us in the discussion this week. And the album review. Not typically uh, done. Normally it's like, nah, I didn't, I, I didn't listen. And, you know, our, our guests bail. Not to their detriment, but that that, that is asking a lot. <laughs> Just come in, <laughs> join us, have a fun discussion, listen to a full fuck album. It's giving a guest homework, and we don't normally, we don't normally do that. But if it's like, yeah, I already listened to it, and I got opinions, then, you know, that helps too. We had a disruption midway through, if we're going to go inside, uh, where we had an internet um, disruption that we had to come back and kind of find where we were. But you can't really tell, especially in editing. You won't even know what happened. It'll be like it never happened. <laughs> Word up. <laughs> Yo, thank you guys for having me, man. This has been this has been really, really dope. I appreciate it. Is there anything you'd like to um promote or plug uh, before we uh before we head out? Follow at the company man on everything. Make sure you check out Ambrosia for Heads. AFH home team. Uh make sure you check out All Out Show on Shade 45 every Tuesday on their Rude Jude. Uh yeah, man. I think that's what's <laughs> Yeah, that feels good. That feels good enough right there. Cool. And if this is your first time listening to the uh, Going Off Podcast, all of our old episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search Going Off Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Help us out on Patreon if you can. And until next week for the Going Off Podcast, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic. And get the fuck out of here!